Well, good morning. With that music, do you feel like I need to come up with some swag when I'm doing that? I will work on that this week. I will get some moves down. I'll have to limber up, make sure I don't pull something or strain something. When I was in college, oh, I didn't greet people. Welcome. Online, thank you for joining us. I'm out of practice. I was gone last week. These things slip away quickly. Okay. When I was in college, I had a roommate that was so active. When he was a baby and a toddler, well, a toddler, once he started walking, his mom put him in a, a vest and she hooked it to a leash. Because this, in the grocery store, he was gone, he was there, he was, he was always straying. And if you're a parent, can you remember the time that you're in the store and all of a sudden your kid isn't there? Okay, that never happened to you, but you have friends. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible feeling. And so she, she put him on a leash to keep him from straying. Do you know, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, we have that tendency? We have a tendency to stray. The good news is he's not going to pull out a leash. He's not going to put you on a leash. But he has given us some resources so we won't stray. And I want to talk about those this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 18 and we're going to go to verse 27, wrestling with this question, what keeps us from straying from Jesus? What keeps us from straying from Jesus? Our passage opens this way. Children, remember he's writing to a flock, he's a pastor, he's at a distance, it's the last hour. So let me just define terms right away. Last hour is understood as the time between Jesus' ascension after his resurrection and his return of his second coming. That's the last hour. We are in the last hour. Okay? Um, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming. So John's saying there is a time when the Antichrist, the one who is opposed, Antichrist, opposed to Christ, we're in a spiritual battle. There's an epic battle going on. God has poured, given us his son. He's poured out his spirit. Well, Satan has answered in kind, and he's, at the end of time, he'll bring forth the Antichrist, the one who stands against Christ. And we read about him in Revelation. But the spirit of that Antichrist, well, He's been going on since, since Jesus' ascension to heaven. Here's what it says. Just as you have heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. For this we know that is the last hour. So even John, writing this maybe 50, 60 years after Jesus' resurrection, he said, you know what? The spirit of the Antichrist is here. And he is opposed to Christ. He is committed to to undercutting Christ. He is committed to taking away from the name and honor of Jesus. And part of the impact of the Antichrist, we see in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown they are all are not of us. What's he talking about? There were people, in fact, some of the false teachers at one time numbered themselves among the body of Jesus. 
but no more. They've left. They're no longer proclaiming that name. And, and, and John would say it showed they never really were a part of us. I came to faith in college, and that goes back a few years. I won't tell you how many. And over those years, I've heard a number of metaphors used in the Christian life. This is the one that is most stuck with me. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So in other words, people start great, and then, and then they disappear. And I had that experience as a college student. So I came to faith, and there were students who were role models for me, people I looked up to in the faith. And then after we graduated, they were gone. They, they weren't part of walking with God. And, and so what John experiences is we experience today. People who once named Jesus no longer do it. They no longer follow doctrine. They're no longer a part of the body. As a pastor, I see that. People start, but they don't finish. John says, we've experienced that. In, su- in fact, some of the false teachers were once a part of this body, but they are no more. So, so that's a warning. You can be deceived. I can be deceived. We can be led away. However, there's a transition in verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Anointing, the word means there, to, to rub on. The Holy One is the Spirit of God. And, and John says, as a believer in Jesus, you have been given God's Spirit. And, and He speaks to you. And He leads you. And He guides you. So you don't have to be led away. The question is, are you responsive to this voice? How many can remember the first time you tried GPS? How many can remember that? Anybody can remember that experience? Remember that experience? So I am out in Colorado. I'm visiting friends, and I'm going to these people. I know in Louisville, it's just outside of Boulder, and usually I come up the Boulder Turnpike and step in. But this time I'm coming from the east, and I've never done that way, gone that way. So I think, I'm going to try it. So I get on my phone, I get my Google Maps, I punch in my address, and there it is, and I hit start. And what does it do? It speaks to you, and it tells you where to go. And I'm going along, and I'm going where I'm going, and I come to the stop sign, and it says turn right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way to go. At that point, I have to make a decision. Do I trust this voice or not? Because it doesn't seem the right way to go. Even before I listened to that voice, I had to make another decision. I had to turn off the radio in my car. Because, see, I had to get rid of all the other noise so I could hear that voice. So so my question is, God has given you his spirit. Are you dialing down the noise in your life so you can hear him? And when he leads you in a direction, you think, I don't know about that. What's your response? Yeah, I think I'll do my own thing. Yeah, I don't think I can follow that. See, we talk about 
grow as one of the words. One of the ways we grow is in responding to God's voice. Because I will tell you, the first time I had Google Maps and I was listening to that voice, it was I like I wasn't so sure. Where are you in cultivating being able to hear and being willing to respond to the voice of the Spirit of God? Because there is one who would like to lead you and me away. He'd like to deceive. And God's saying, but I've given you an anointing. Well, the Spirit of God uses something in particular, and John talks about it in verse 21. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I I am the truth. He then has made himself known in his word. This is why we are so committed to preaching this every Sunday, going through verse by verse. This is the truth. You don't want to be deceived. You don't want to be led away. Set your life according to the truth. See, the Spirit of God uh, in John 16 says that he will remind us of what Jesus had to say. John 14 says the Spirit will guide us into all truth. But if we don't know the Word, we're susceptible, we're vulnerable. That's why we ask you to be in the word on a regular basis on your own. Why? So you won't be deceived. I was led to the Lord by a man named Ron Tucson in my freshman year of college. And it took me six months, okay? And, and I got tripped up on this phrase. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is the phrase that got me not as a result of works, because I came from a system where you had to do works. And so I, I spent six months going back and forth. And then finally, one day in February of my freshman year, I thought, I, I got to get in or I got to get out. I either got to stop going to this Bible study, which was meeting in my dorm on my floor, or, or, or I got to get in and, 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 and believe and take the Bible as the Word of God. And, and that day, that February of my freshman year, I made that choice. So you can imagine the, grat- the debt of gratitude I felt towards this man and his friends who came by my dorm room every week and shared the gospel with me at a minimum once a week. Once in the Bible study, and they would stop by, and they were sharing this and sharing this, and I was obtuse and obtuse and obtuse and obtuse, and finally, five, six months in, I, I, I committed my life to it. So, so I, I felt a debt to this man, and I would do about anything he said, but he said me very straight early on after I came to faith. He said, Andy, never, don't you ever take my word for it. You check me out. You check me out in the word of God, what I'm saying to you. Because that's the truth. I ain't the truth. This is the truth. If you've got a disagreement, let's let's do this kindly and gently. But but let's talk about that difference. And I'd say that to us as a body. Let us be in the word of God. We've got a difference. Let's talk kindly, gently, civilly. Why? Because this is the truth. What keeps us from being vulnerable? It's the Spirit of God leading us through the Word of God. So then in verse 22, we see what I think is the ultimate deception. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. There he is, denying Jesus is the Christ, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Here's what the Antichrist does. He denies the deity, 
the authority, the fact that Jesus is God. He denies the fact that Jesus as God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. See, these false teachers had separated the spiritual and the physical, so they lived like the devil, but they said that's okay because the material and the the spiritual don't matter, and, and Jesus just blows that up because as God, he took on human flesh. And since Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did, and that is walked on earth, lived a sinless life, was crucified on a Friday and rose from, a dead, rose from the grave on Sunday, he is unique, unique among any person ever born. He has authority that no one else has. When he says it, it's true. The reason then we can preach this Bible as authority is Jesus was on earth, gave the Old Testament as we have it, his blessing as the authoritative scripture, and he commissioned the New Testament writers. That's why we can stand here and I can stand here and say this is the truth of God. But the ultimate deception is I'm going to deny Jesus his rightful authority. I'm going to deny his rightful place. And then Jesus, John makes this statement. I think it's the most controversial statement in the Bible. Here we go, verse 23. He who denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Here's what John's saying. You deny Jesus the Son of God, you do not have God. You cannot have a relationship with God. Uh, Jesus said this himself, John 14, 6. To me, the most controversial verse in the Bible, in our culture. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you just would have changed the word the to ah, our culture would have been okay. But he doesn't give that option. He's saying there's one way to God, and it's through Jesus. Why is that? Because all of us have sinned. All of us have rebelled against God. Jesus came and lived the life we were supposed to live, sinless and perfect. He submitted to the Father right to the point he was crucified on a cross unjustly, and he rose again to forgive your rebellion and mine. That is the only way back to be right with God. So then John, after stating these truths says this in verse 24. As for you, let that abide in which you have heard from the beginning. What? The words of Jesus. You abide in that. Remember, we talked about means you live in that. In what you heard from the beginning abides in If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Okay, I don't, I don't know all of you, but I know many of you here. And... and and many of you have been doing this, have been walking with God a while. John's saying, you know, you've been abiding in the Word of God. You've been living in that. You've been trafficking in it. Don't change that. Don't go try something new. This is God revealing himself. He said, you let that abide in you. Because there is an antichrist. There's a spirit of an antichrist who would like to deceive you. He works through deception. He'd like to deceive you, like to deceive me, and pull us away from God. Here's the promise, verse 25, if we'll do that. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. Life that begins now and goes into eternity. Let's not mistake that, oh, in the by and by. No, 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 no. That's a relationship with Jesus that begins now and goes on into eternity. Life in the fullest is in a relationship with God. It's not an experience, not in this, not in that. It is in Jesus. So then John writes again to his lock. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. 
As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you because you have the spirit of God and the word of God. And that is, you're abiding in that. You're wallowing in that. You're living in that. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is where it's taken. You abide. You live in Jesus. You live under his authority. You live in him. So remember, we started by talking about this mom who had this little boy who was always in the grocery store. Well, where is he? How do I do this? I put him on a leash. Okay? Okay, we have that tendency when it comes to Jesus. We, we, we go. We straighten. But there's no, there no leash. There's no leash here. Okay? He said, I got something that's, that's more effective than a leash. It's the spirit and the word of God. You abide in that. You live in that. So we're, we're wrestling with this question. What keeps us from straying from Jesus? The presence of God's word and spirit keeps us from straying from Jesus. The presence of God's word and spirit keeps us from straying from Jesus. Now, where we can be deceived, where we can be led away, is when we begin to listen to teachers who will not affirm the authority of Jesus, born of a virgin, took on human flesh, died for sin, rose again to meet only means of salvation. They will come in representing God, but not really speaking for God. Kim Philby is an infamous name in the Western world. He was a high-ranking agent in the British Secret Service called MI6. The end of World War II, into the Cold War. Supposedly, he was serving the British and Western interests as an agent getting information on Russia. When in reality, what was happening was he was a double agent. He was working for Russia. They'd feed him some information. And he was exposing MI6 and CIA agents. This was discovered years later. They feel like between the MI6 and the CIA, hundreds, hundreds of agents were compromised. You draw your own conclusion what happens when an agent's compromised. It was deadly. The guy purported himself to be one thing, but he was something else. People were deceived, and it cost lives. People will stand and say they speak for God, but they don't. And it will cost lives. Well, Andy, how do we know? Well, John's telling us. Basic, basic stuff if they will not recognize Jesus as the eternal Son of God. Born of a virgin, risen from the dead, offering God's only solution for sin, only way. Turn them off. If they will not recognize these scriptures as authoritative, as the place we go to settle discussions about truth, that's your starting point. Because as deadly as Kim Philby could be, it can get a whole lot worse on a spiritual basis. Now, as we abide 
with God's Spirit leading us, listening to his voice. As we abide in the word of God, the promise, verse 25, is life eternal. One of the deceptions, I believe, is that the Antichrist will tell us, yeah, you, you have this faith, but, but really life comes someplace else. Fullness of life, yeah, yeah maybe then in, in the Bible, but, but, but now. Life comes someplace else. So we get deceived, like thinking, well, life will be, we can have fullness of life when, when things get back to normal in, in the vaccine. And please, I'm not making a statement, good or bad, about the vaccine. Please don't. But I'm just saying, be careful about putting our hope in something or someone other than Jesus. Okay? Okay, life will be good. We'll have fullness of life when we get this guy or that guy as president. When we get this party or that party in control. I, I, I just, I'm not want to make a little statement. I'm just, be careful about putting our hope in life in, in, in that person or that group of people. Life will be full when, when I get my stimulus check. Again, please, not making a comment, good or bad, but there's a deceiver who says, I got life for you someplace else than Jesus. And we buy in. And very subtly, we end up like the folks did in verse 19. They went out from us. But they were really not of us. True faith will persevere over the course of time. There is a deceiver who would like to compromise your statement of faith, your trust in Jesus, the absolute giver of life. And he'll go any way he can to take you on some other path. We don't have to be people that stray. And we don't need a leash. God has given us fully of his spirit and his word. I don't know how many of you got to see the movie 1917. Set in World War I. The basic premise is this. British air reconnaissance determines that what the Allies thought was a retreat was a strategic withdrawal. And the Germans were setting up, and the, the British were planning an attack, and, and they were going to walk right into German artillery. It's going to be a slaughter. Well, why not just communicate that? The phone lines were cut. So two Lance Corporals, William Schofield and Tom Barnes. Schofield had a brother who was going to be part of the the attack. We're given these orders, and you give it to the commanding officer, and you get there, and you got this amount of time to do it. And so they have to make their way across dangerous terrain and open field and all kinds of stuff. And Barnes ends up dying. Schofield is injured, but he makes it at the last minute. And the attack is called off, saving hundreds, if not thousands, of lives. See, the British were deceit. They thought there was a Retreat. But in fact, it was a strategic withdrawal. And right at the point, Schofield gets there and the, they call off the deal. Do you understand? That's just a little bit of the picture of what goes on with Jesus. See, see, we're deceived in this world. We think life is found someplace else. 
And, and God didn't send a couple lance corporals. He sent his son knowing he would die. So we wouldn't have to live in that deception. Send him to die so we wouldn't be led astray, so we wouldn't walk into the artillery fire. Jesus bled so we could live in the truth. My hope and my prayer is that we would access that. What keeps us from straying from Jesus? Not a leash. It's the presence of God's word and spirit that keeps us from straying from God. We're now going to move into a time of communion, and we're going to celebrate, remember and celebrate this Jesus who died. So we wouldn't have to live in deception. So we wouldn't walk into the artillery as it were. Now, so we are not believing this wafer and this grape juice becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus, but it's, it's a memorial. And, and, and we remember this, this, this bread is symbolic of his body broken for us. Remember, he was, he was whipped 39 times. He was hit with a crown of thorns. He was punched. He was spit on. And then, then he was put on a cross. Why? So we wouldn't have to live deceived. Uh, Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 23 and 24. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, uh, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take and eat? Uh, Verses 11, uh, verses 25 and 26, it says, In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you take and drink? So Jesus, we are grateful that you um, your body was broken and your blood was shed so that we could live in reality. We could live in truth. We didn't have to live a lie. Thanks, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.